All right. Hello again. So glad that you're here. I'm really excited about today's service. Y'all glad you came? Glad you came? Okay, good. Just making sure. I am too. Kind of have to be here, but still, I'm glad that I'm here. Um, So did anyone else have a jam-packed weekend like I did? I mean, I feel like this time of year is when everyone decides to do everything. And then I made a poor decision. My lovely wife, who is um, a runner, um, they asked me to do the invocation at the Heritage Run this uh, Saturday morning. And so I told her, so I'm going to go pray there. She's like, well, let's run. Okay. Um, so I literally did a couch to 5K, if you've heard of those races. Where, but normally you train for a few weeks. Not me. I literally went from my couch to a 5K. And I am so sore right now. It's awesome. Praise God. Um, it's great. So if you see me kind of do, you know, when you're sore, when you sit down, you're like, ah. So if you see me do weird things, that's all that's going on. I'll be okay. Um, But, you know, Tiff, we'll figure something out about her. Um, So really, really glad that you're here. It's been a great week already. We're continuing a series called A Breath of Fresh Air. If you didn't get, uh, if you weren't here for last week when we kicked it off, I really encourage you. We try to make our messages available to everyone on multiple platforms. First of all, we've got the CD that's at the Welcome Center that you can get. We ask for $1 that covers the cost of making it. Um, We also have on our website, vfcthomasville.org, we have all of our sermons there. And so you can watch the video or you can listen to the audio. Also, if you're a podcaster, we have a a Victory Fellowship Church sermon podcast, and you can listen to that on the go. And so we want to make sure that you get caught up. So please, I encourage you. There's been a lot of weird information out there about the Holy Spirit. There's been a lot of confusion about who the Holy Spirit is. And so that was kind of our foundation. I'm going to build upon that uh, this morning. Um, we, We did talk last week about who the Holy Spirit is. We talked about Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, same thing, different translations. Holy Ghost comes from the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, He is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is not an it. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He's just as much God as Jesus is. He's just as much God as the Father is. He is our interaction with God on the earth. The Father's in heaven. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So guess who we interact with? Holy Spirit. Okay? That's who he is. Now, I mentioned earlier Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. We, those are both trans, different translations in the Bible. But we actually learned last week that the, the, the words that are in both the Hebrew and the Greek are actually wind or breath. Wind or breath. So the Holy Spirit is like a current of air, movement of air um, in our lives. We also learned he does a lot of stuff for us. We, we often get the function of Jesus. We understand he died on the cross, he rose again. I believe in that, I can be saved. But we don't always get the function of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit doesn't exist just to make people weird in church. The Holy Spirit exists to empower you to do what you otherwise couldn't do. That's why he's there. And so we talked about that. I really encourage you to listen to that. This morning, part two, we're going to talk about two words that you've probably heard that have a little bit of weirdness around them because people aren't sure what they mean completely. And it's Pentecostal and charismatic. Now, when I've heard the word Pentecostal, I usually hear it in the context of, well, that's a Pentecostal church. Ooh, 
right? Or, well, you know, they're charismatic. And so I want to define these terms not according to church culture, but according to what the Word says. We're going to look at what these terms mean, and we're going to see how we, as a church body, and how you, as a follower of Jesus, fit into these words. So let's just jump in. I'm going to warn you in advance. Uh, this is more of a teaching than a preaching. The notes are on our app. If you go to Sunday at VFC, inside the app, you'll see sermon notes, and they're all right there so you can follow along. But let's look at the first word here, Pentecostal. Pentecostal. What does Pentecostal mean? Well, Pentecostal literally means 50. It literally means it's the number 50. Is what Pentecost means. It's a number. Why? Well, it's the number 50 because it, it's the Jewish feast. It's the Jewish feast of weeks that happened 50 days after Passover. And so that's why they're like, we're going to go to 50. Are you going to go to 50? I'll be there at 50. Because it was 50, 50 days after Passover. Okay? So that's what it means. That's what Pentecost means. Okay? Um, it also was when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the disciples. It happened at Pentecost. So on one particular Pentecost, the Father saw fit after Jesus had died and risen again, 50 days after that Passover, which is when it happened because Jesus was the Passover lamb. God often will use the Jewish calendars to speak to people. And so he used Pentecost to say, hey, 50 days after Passover, Jesus was the Passover lamb. And now, let me tell you what I got for you. It's a good gift. And so on Pentecost, after Jesus died and was risen again, uh, the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the disciples. That's what Pentecost is. Okay. Now, the word Pentecostal um, is used to describe churches or people that believe that the supernatural power that was displayed on Pentecost is available today still. That's what it means. That's what Pentecostal means. A Pentecostal church, at its most basic biblical definition, is one that believes that the power of God is still available today, just like on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecostalism has become its own Christian subculture. It's, it's, it's uh, not one denomination. It's actually hundreds of denominations that would be considered Pentecostal because they actively seek and pursue the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's actually the fastest growing sect of Christianity worldwide. Of all the different, like Catholic, um, and then all the different groups within the Protestants, right, Pentecostal traditions, Pentecostal churches are by far the fastest growing worldwide. Especially, not so much here in the United States, but especially overseas. Okay? Um, and so that's what Pentecostalism is and what uh, being Pentecostal is. So I've got a question. Is what was the point of Pentecost? Like, why did the Father... Fully release the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. What's the point? Well, the point was power. The point was power. Now, I love you and I think you're wonderful. But I need to let you know something. Is you don't have everything you need for success by yourself. You need something. Right? You need power. You need power. And so the gift that God gave to us was power that was displayed in Pentecost. 
Well, what kind of power? What do you mean power? Power to do weird stuff at church? Power to, power to dress a certain way? I mean, some of y'all have been to Pentecostal churches where you have to dress a certain way. No makeup, lots of makeup, long skirts, no pants, right? I mean, there's all this different stuff. Those are, those are church cultures that's not necessarily biblical Pentecostalism. Okay, there's nothing wrong with the church culture. I'm not against a church culture. I, I just I'm for Jesus. I'm for the Holy Spirit, and so I don't ever want our traditions to get in the way of what Scripture says. So, what is the point of Pentecost? It's power. Let me let me give you three different types of power. First of all, it's the power to make a difference. Don't, don't you want to make a difference in this world? Wouldn't you love to come in contact with people, whether at work or home or school or out, you know, at Walmart? And when they come in contact with you, their lives are changed for the better. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, that's what Pentecost was about. So that you could have the power to make a difference. Jesus actually tells his disciples that that's going to happen. Instructs them to wait in Jerusalem. He actually says it in Luke 24, 49. By the way, Luke and Acts were both written by the same person. It's investigative journalism. He, he, he was commissioned by a Greek person to, to look into all the facts about Jesus and the early church. He interviewed eyewitnesses, and then he wrote about it in both the Gospel of Luke, which is the part that's about Jesus, and then the Acts of the Apostles, which was a second book that chronicled the beginning of the church. It was... 60 minutes before TV. And Luke was a doctor and he meticulously wrote this stuff down. So he's quoting what Jesus told his disciples here at the end of Luke. He says, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. The promise is the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Clothed with power. I like that phrase. Clothed with power. The word for clothed there is, is used many times in the New Testament. The Greek word, and it, and it, and it is used to describe to like literally put on a coat or a cloak or something like that. Is to put it on. Which means that you have a role to play because you don't wake up in the morning and your clothes are on you. Right? You pick out your clothes out of your closet and then you put, I mean, you got some clothes on. I'm saying the clothes that you're going to wear during the day, you know, birds don't fly them over to you. <sighs> right? Like you have to put on clothes. All right, and so that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. You, 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 he told them to stay so that they would be clothed from power on high. They would put on that power from on high. Look, you were created to make a difference. You were created to make a difference, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that was pulled out, poured out on Pentecost in order to do that. The second type of power that we need is not just the power to make a difference, but it's the power to live righteously. Now, again, I love you. I think you're wonderful, but I need to let you know something if you don't know this already. You're not righteous by yourself. Scripture says in Romans, it says, it says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none righteous. You need help with righteousness. Now, when you are found in Christ Jesus, you are righteous because he's righteous. But on your own, you're not righteous. All right? So the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live righteously. Galatians 5.16, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Galatians. He's giving them 
instruction on how they should live their lives. He says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. See, the righteousness you desire, because you know you want to do the right thing. We want to do the right thing. We just don't always do the right thing. And if we don't want to do the right thing, then we want to change our want to so that we do desire to do the right thing. The answer to that is found in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you live your life, you walk in the Spirit. You allow Him to change your mind. You allow Him to help you decide. And and that relationship with the Holy Spirit gives you the power to be righteous when you otherwise could not. Does that make sense? So here's the next way. Not just the power to make a difference, not just the power to live righteously, but the power to live supernaturally. Now, none of you are God. I don't need to ask you, is anyone God here? You're not. I know the answer to that one. Okay? You are natural. You are natural. But the stuff that God is calling you to do is super, above, beyond natural. So therefore, you need some help in order to walk in that supernatural calling, right? And so in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the relationship with the Holy Spirit, he wants to give you his power so that you can live supernaturally. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul is talking to the people, the church at Corinth. He went through Corinth. He started a church. A bunch of people started following Jesus. He started a church. He put leadership over it. And he said, I'm going to go plant some more churches. I'll see you all later. I'll write you in a little bit. He wrote them. They wrote back. He wrote them. They wrote back. They actually wrote three times. We have two of those letters. We call them 1 and 2 Corinthians. So here we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He's recalling the first time he was in Corinth. He says, my message and my preaching were very plain. I'll explain that in a second. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. You know, you're supposed to trust in the power of God. That's what scripture says. You're supposed to trust in it. Not in human wisdom. Now, the inference here that Paul is saying is that I could have wowed you with my amazing speaking ability. That's kind of the inference. He's like, look, I mean, in in another place, Paul gives his pedigree. He's like, look, you know, I am a Pharisee of Pharisees, zeal, right? Tribe of Benjamin, sat under one of the most well-known Jewish rabbis of the time. I mean, dude, dude knew what was going on. I mean, he was awesome. But he was like, look, but when I came to you, I didn't use all that. Because that doesn't really matter. I could have possibly impressed you with my speaking. But you know, I wanted you to be impressed with the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. So it's the power to live supernaturally. These are, this is why Pentecost happened, is to give you power. Here's the deal. If you believe... The power of the Holy Spirit is still available today. You're Pentecostal. Now, for some of you, that may be a little, well, I didn't think I was one of them. (laughs) One of those people. Now, that doesn't mean that you are necessarily going to run in church. 
It doesn't mean that you wear a certain type of clothing. It doesn't, but biblically speaking, if you believe that the power of God is still available for you today, you're Pentecostal. Sorry. That's what it means. That's what it means. You might not subscribe to the way that you've seen certain denominations do things. Amen. Hallelujah. Neither do I. But based on scripture, we believe in the power of God. That's what Pentecostal means. It's simple. I know everyone complicates stuff. But it's simple. God's power makes you Pentecostal. Okay? That's what it means. Now, let's move on. Our next word is charismatic. Charismatic. Now, we'll often use this term like, wow, that person's a very charismatic speaker, which means they were interesting, engaging. That's not what this means at all. Okay? This is actually based off of a Greek word, charisma, that means grace gift. Grace gift. It's actually a compound word made up of two separate words. One is charis, meaning grace, and the other one is mata, which is, is kind of like a gift. It's actually um, the outworking of something or the end result of something. In other words, when God's grace comes in contact with your life, you end up with some good stuff. A gift, if that makes sense. It's not really the word gift, but it's the end result of God's grace. So it's a grace gift. Okay. So that's what, so it comes from charisma, okay? That's what it comes from. And so that's where we get the word charismatic. So charismatic is used to describe churches or people who believe that the gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts, as recorded in the Scripture, are still in operation today. That's what charismatic means, okay? So um, there, let me just teach you a couple words. These are like the uh, scholarly words for this. There's the word cessationist. And there's the word continuist. You're like, I didn't come here this morning to go to school. Just, just hold on, okay? Hold on. My preaching is very plain. <laughs> Cessationist is based off of the word cease. It means that these special abilities, these empowerments from the Holy Spirit, were only for a time in the beginning of the early church, but they have since ceased. That's what cessationism means, okay? I'm not a cessationist. Okay? The other word is continuationist or continuous, which means that the, the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowerments to allow you to do stuff, has not ceased and is still available today. Okay? So those, those, are the, those are some of those words. Okay? Now, spiritual gifts. Now, this is what a, a charismatic church or a charismatic person would believe. They would believe that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit and the, those are defined by this way. Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities empowering believers to minister to others. Spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit are supernatural abilities empowering believers to minister to others. Again, supernatural, not just your natural. You know, you can give someone some decent advice. They come to you with a problem and you're like... You're like, yeah, you know, I read a book once, and they said X, Y, and Z. And the person, okay, cool, that's helpful. All right, you just gave some, there's nothing wrong with that. That's some natural advice. That's great. Or the Holy Spirit can give you what's known as a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, some of these spiritual gifts, and they can flow through you. The breath of God can move through you. The wind of God can move through you. And you can say, you know what? I feel like the Lord is telling me right now, and just consider this. I feel like the Lord is telling me right now that this is happening in your life because X, Y, and Z. And if you'll do A, B, and C, you'll see it change. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm a 
Alex Bride. Okay, that's supernatural ministry. The natural ministry wasn't bad, but it's not as good as supernatural ministry. Right? Supernatural is always better than natural. I, I sometimes joke around with Tiff. I'll look at food and it says, I'm made with 99% natural ingredients. I'm like, that's, that's cool. But make it with some supernatural ingredients and I'll buy a lot of it. So, so that's, what, that's what charismatic means. It means that these gifts of the Spirit, these spiritual gifts, are still in operation. Now, just so you know, don't have time to get into this. God is a good God. He loves giving gifts. The Father gives motivational gifts. The Son gives ministry gifts. And the Holy Spirit gives gifts of the Spirit. The motivational gifts of God answer the question, or they tell you, this is who I am. The gifts from Jesus, the ministry gifts, they tell you, this is what I do. And the Holy Spirit gifts tell you, this is how I do it. This is how we do it. That's the Holy Spirit's role, okay? That's what he does. So all different persons of the Godhead are moving and giving you gifts. You don't want those gifts. So if you do, you might be charismatic. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now, this whole chapter, and if I can give you homework, I encourage you to get an easy-to-understand translation of the Bible. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Three chapters, you can do it. You've got a week. Okay? Read 12, 13, and 14. They're really meant to go together. Okay? We chop up Scripture way too much. At the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, he says, Concerning spiritual gifts or, or, or spiritual stuff, it, the word that he uses there is not charisma. It's a different word. He says, Concerning spiritual realities and spiritual stuff. Ooh, spiritual stuff. I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, how many, how many uh, churches have said, You know what? I just want to be ignorant of this. This is a little weird. I don't want to deal with this. And they said, I'm going to remain blissfully ignorant, right? But the Apostle Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to learn how to do it right. So he, he continues. I'll, I'll pick up at verse 4 here. He says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service. But we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways. But it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Now, first of all, the construction of this Greek sentence is not saying you get one spiritual gift. You could read that from here. Uh, Each person gets a spiritual gift. Um, it, It means each person gets at least one. Like at least you get at least one. Don't tell God you don't have anything to give him. You've got spiritual gifts. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he's active inside of you, and he's empowering you, okay? So, so that's what it's saying. It says a spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are given so that we can help each other. Now, isn't it interesting why we're given spiritual gifts? It's for others. Not so you can help you. How many times have we gone into a church service, and people are practicing spiritual gifts, and like, hey, look at my spiritual gift. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Spiritual gifts are for others. It's ministry. It's outward focused. It's not to put on a show. Right? Imagine 
It's your birthday. And someone brings you a gift. And they say, man, I got you this awesome gift. You're like, sweet, bring it on. And they say, okay, here it is. And you reach out for it and they take it back and they open it and they unbox it. And they're like, this is it. You're like, wow, thank you so much for that. They're like, I'm taking it home. And they take it home with them. Wait a minute, that's my gift. Right? Didn't you get it for me? How many times do we do this with the gifts of the Spirit? He's giving us gifts for others, but we use them on ourselves. To make a name for ourselves or to maybe impress someone. Oh, it's not the heart of God. That's not what he wants for us. It says he's given us spiritual gifts so we can help each other. That's the goal. That's the goal. So how should we interact with spiritual gifts? Like, so what are we to do? Here we are, Christians. I think I might believe that these spiritual gifts are still for today. So what do we do? What do we do with these? Well, here's the first thing is you've got to desire the spiritual gifts. Desire the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.1. The Apostle Paul, it's just a few chapters over. And he says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love. Now, don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but chapter 13 is in between chapter 12, which is about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 is about love, and chapter 14 is about order in a church service. Okay, you with me? And so he just spent a whole lot of time saying that, look, all your spiritual gifts don't mean anything if you don't have love, if you're not other-focused, okay? That's what it means. That's what it means. He goes, so, so love is the wind in your sail. If your spiritual gift is a sail, if you have an ability to do something, the wind is love. It's what makes you move. It's your reason. It's your motivation. And if it's not, you're not doing it right. So he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now here's the thing. There is nothing wrong with you wanting a spiritual gift. I've heard some people say, you know, we don't seek the gift, we seek the giver. Isn't that kind of the same thing? Could you imagine if one of your friends has a birthday or anniversary and you've been planning like this amazing gift, right? This incredible gift that you really want to bless them with. You've been preparing it, you've been getting it ready, and then you give it to them, you're like, here it is. And they're like, oh, I don't want your gift. I just want you. It's like, but... But this kind of is me. It's, it's an extension of me. It's, I mean, it's, I want to give this to you. It, it would make me happy. No. I don't want your gift. Okay. Wouldn't that be weird? Don't we do that to the Holy Spirit when we say, I don't want your gifts? No. Paul says, pursue them. Desire them. You should want to walk in these. Especially that you may prophesy. Just so you know, prophecy, here's an easy definition for you. Prophecy is saying what God says. Hmm. That's all it is. It's not weird. You don't have to start off with, thus saith the Lord. Okay, if you want to, cool. Or you can just start saying it. Either way, okay? It's just saying what God says. Sometimes that's foretelling the future. Sometimes that's foretelling right now. Okay? But it's just saying what God says. He says, especially that you may prophesy. Why? Because it's got the greatest impact immediately. Well, this is what God's saying. Boom. And people are like, whoa, yes, I like it. 
Okay? So, you should desire spiritual gifts. All right? Here's the next thing. You should develop your spiritual gifts. You should develop your spiritual gifts. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Peter, the Apostle Peter is talking here. He says, God... Oh, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy 1.6. That's the right one. 2 Timothy 1.6. So, Timothy is writing... Let me kind of give you some context. Timothy, uh, Paul is writing Timothy, who is a new pastor in Ephesus. Ephesus was a really pagan area, okay? And he was writing Timothy, so just like in Corinth, Paul started the church, got a bunch of people saved, put Timothy over the church and said, I'm out of here, see you later, we'll write. Okay? So he writes Timothy and encourages him in being a pastor. And he says this to him regarding developing his spiritual gifts. 2 Timothy 1.6, Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Okay, first of all, interestingly, the gift of God's spiritual gifts can be given by laying hands on one another. We sometimes call that impartation. In another place, Paul says, I long to impart some spiritual gift to you. He's talking to another church. Okay, so you can impart spiritual gifts to each other. But he says, stir up the gift of God which is in you. The New Living Translation says, fan into flame. You ever built a fire? You know, you don't just build it and then that's it, right? you got to tend it. you got to take care of it. It will begin to die down. What do you have to do? Fan the flame. Put more wood on it. Do something, right? you got to do something for it to continue. And so that's what Paul is telling Timothy to do. He's like, look, I imparted this spiritual gift to you, but you got to steward this thing. It's up to you to grow it. It's up to you to mature it. It's up to you to develop it. It's not just enough to say, well, God's given me spiritual gifts. Okay, great, wonderful. Do something with it, though. Grow it. Fan the flame of the spiritual gift. So we don't just desire spiritual gifts. We develop spiritual gifts. And thirdly, we use our spiritual gifts. We're to use. I told first service, the preacher in me really wanted this point to start with the letter D. So I thought about display your spiritual gifts. But I didn't want to do that because they're not to just be put on display. They're to help people. So I got a lot of suggestions about other words I could have used, uh, like deploy. I thought it was a good one, too. Right now, it's use. Okay, right now, use. So use your spiritual gifts. Use your spiritual gifts. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. The apostle Peter is talking. I love this scripture. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God has given you gifts. He's got a great variety. And whatever you need at the time, he'll supply you with. Use them. Use them. Don't let them lie dormant. Use them to help and to serve one another. So we desire, we develop, and we use our spiritual gifts. And here's the deal. If you believe the gifts of the Spirit are still empowering people today, you're charismatic. That's what you believe, based on Scripture. Now, you may have been to a charismatic church, and you weren't totally sure about some of the stuff they did. Cool, me too. (laughs) But if you believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation, they have not ceased, they were not for the early church only, they were not for a certain class of Christian, you believe that anyone can use the gifts of the Spirit, then you're charismatic. That's what it means. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, one last thing before we end. 
when we're dealing with Pentecostal and charismatic stuff, most of us have like a church experience or maybe we saw something on TV and it was just kind of odd to us and we weren't totally sure about it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Are y'all like, y'all are like, no, I know totally. Yeah, right? We, okay. Here's the deal. I often get asked this question and I think it's a good question. And it's, how do we know if any of the Holy Spirit stuff is real? Like, how do we know if, if someone is getting prayed for and they fall? Right? Which, you know why people fall down when they get prayed for? It's because they couldn't stand up any longer. I mean, to me, it makes sense. If you've got two objects coming in collision, the bigger one wins, knocks down the, right? So I'm not bigger than God. So it would make sense to me that sometimes if his power comes on me, I might fall. It doesn't offend me at all. It just, it's just kind of logical to me. But... I, at the same time, I know, we talked about this some last week, I know some of you have been in situations where the minister's like, ah, oh, go down, and you're like, not today. <laughs> Don't think so. God can knock me down, not you. So, that's just me. But so we see this kind of stuff, and, and, and everyone's like, well, you know, what about speaking in tongues? And that kind of weirds me out here. I don't have time to get into tongues, but let me tell you this. I preached a sermon on tongues a couple of years ago. I said everything I wanted to say on it. And we have that CD. We have that CD at the Welcome Center, and it's free. We normally ask you to, to give a dollar to cover the cost. But if you're interested, we have CDs back there. It's free today. I'll make you a special deal today. It's free um, and you can grab one. Also, it's on our podcast. It's on our website as well. Okay? Um, so I encourage you. Don't have time to, to, to talk about the specific spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. Everyone's interested in it. I found that people, a lot of people that have rejected all of the spiritual gifts really are just freaked out by tongues. I mean, they, don't, they aren't worried about word of knowledge or word of wisdom. They're like, oh, yeah, cool, I'll do that. Tongues, not so much. I get it. Speaking in a language you don't know is weird. It is. It's weird. Doesn't mean it's not God. It just means it's weird. I get it, okay? So I got a message for you. I'd love for you to listen to that, okay? But when we, when we see things that kind of rattle our cage, how do we know if it's really the Holy Spirit? How do we know if it's real? It's very simple. Jesus told us exactly how to tell. He said, you test the fruit. Amen. You test the fruit. In Matthew uh, chapter 7, that says 17 on the notes, but that's wrong. Matthew seven fifteen through 16, it says this. Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. By the way they act. It's not the moment when someone's having an encounter or experience with the Holy Spirit that you judge. It's what they do afterwards. It's how they live their lives. I've known too many people that have had Holy Spirit encounters and they still treat their waitress terribly. Okay, wonderful. Glad you had that experience. Why didn't it change you? Because remember, Holy Spirit is the empowerment for us. I heard this. I don't think I came up with this. I think I heard this. But I love it. And it's kind of how I want to move forward when people are maybe encountering God. And maybe it's a little odd for me. And it's this. We don't judge a tree by how it shakes in the wind. We judge a tree by its fruit. 
the wind of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is wind. The word spirit is wind. So we don't judge a tree by how it shakes in the wind. If you imagine an apple tree and there's just a huge gust of wind and it starts moving a whole lot and it kind of, ooh, uh, this is kind of scary, that must not be an apple tree. No, it's still an apple tree. It's got apples on it. It's just moving a lot and it's freaking you out. I get it, but we don't judge a tree by how it moves in the wind. We judge a tree by the fruit. Last story, I'll let you go. I have a friend who was at a really well-known revival in the 90s that was known for like some pretty crazy stuff going on. And uh, he, he, this was new to him. Things of the Spirit was new to him. And he was up there, and he was at the front. He was a pastor, so they were sitting up front. And a lady got prayed for, and when she got prayed for, she fell And then she started laughing loud, hysterically, and rolling around on the ground. And so he was struggling with it. He was like, this is, wow, okay. And he turned to his friend, his preacher friend that was there, and he said, is that the flesh or is that the spirit? And his friend turned to him and he said, we'll know when she gets up. We'll know when she gets up. I mean, she's shaking in the wind right now, but that's not, that doesn't tell us what kind of tree she is. We'll, we'll know the tree based when she gets up and she goes to lunch afterwards. Or when she is dealing with that child that's driving them crazy. Or with that ex that won't leave you alone. Or with that boss who's not being fair to you. That's when we'll know what kind of tree she is. Not by how she interacts with the wind. And that's the mentality I want us to have, you guys. And my question to you this morning is the same question I asked you last week, and it's this. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? Who is he to you? Now, I've told you in Scripture who he is. He's God. He's not an it. He's not a substance. He's a person. And he wants to know you. And he wants to give you good gifts. And he poured out his power at Pentecost. And he wants to give you spiritual gifts. So that you can minister to others. But you get to determine who he is to you. Who he is doesn't change. But who he is to you is based on you. Some of you this morning are like, oh no, I'm Pentecostal. I didn't know. Let's stand for prayer. Let's internalize for this, this for just a moment. If you will close your eyes, I always like for you to consider what you've heard and to talk to the Lord about it. So just under your breath in your own words, just say, Holy Spirit, who are you to me? And just give him some space to talk back. You probably won't hear an audible voice. You might just feel an impression or you might see something in your imagination. Let him talk to you. Holy Spirit, who are you to me? I want to know you. I want to be known by you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you will, let me supply some words for you. Where you give all of this, and I know, you, you, you know, maybe you're not sure about how you want to interact with some of the Holy Spirit stuff. I get it. Totally get it. But we know that God is good, and we know that he gives good gifts. He would never give you something that hurts you. Right? He might stretch you, but he won't hurt you. He won't injure you. So, if you will, pray this prayer after me. Say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit. 
I thank you for your power that was poured out on Pentecost so that I might be able to make a difference, to live righteously, and to live supernaturally. And Holy Spirit, thank you for your gifts. I admit that I need them. And I thank you that your gifts are to be desired. I need to develop them. And then I should use them so that I can help people. So I give you permission to use me. In Jesus' name, amen.